Hi, welcome to Freshman Fellowship. Tonight we are going to be looking at a parable that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 15. And we talked about this a little last week and we're going to finish it off this week. So I'm going to read to you, this is Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read the first two verses and then verses 11 through 32. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them a story. There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields, his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will rise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran to him and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And the servant said to the older brother, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But the older brother was angry, and he refused to go in. His father came out to him and entreated him. But the brother answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat, so I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And the father said to this older son, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He is lost and is found. So as we're looking at these passages together, we're looking and seeing the father's love. How is it that the father loves these two sons, and what does that show us about God? What is Jesus doing with this parable? What is he teaching us about who his father in heaven is? So we do see a lot about the father's love in this passage. In verse 12, we see that the father, he didn't just sell off some mutual funds or liquidate some assets, but he divided an entire property and permanently cut the family means of income for the younger son. And then we see in verse 20 that the younger son, um, when he's at the bottom, he comes to his senses and realizes the goodness of his father. Even when he was at the end of his, uh, end of his rope, he knew that his father was a good man, and so that he, he went back to him. And then in verse 22, we see the father was out there waiting for him and looking for him and ran to him and embraced him and hugged him and kissed him and gave him a ring and sandals, all these symbols of the son, this dramatic scene that's especially dramatic because when the son left, um, he left in such a shameful way to the father. We talked about that last week. 
But then here we see that this party is happening. The whole town is rejoicing that the son is back. And the older son is out in the fields, angry and alone. And the father goes out to him. Father who's just been shamed by the older brother because the older brother won't come in. Publicly refusing to enter into the party to receive the younger son. That the father goes out and entreats him and, and welcomes him in in his love. Come celebrate in my joy. And we see this later in verse 31 where he says, all that is mine is yours. It all belongs to you because you belong to me. Now in this parable, we have um, these two sons. And in the younger son, there's this easily recognizable depiction of son, of a son, or excuse me, easily recognizable depiction of sin. He goes out, he humiliates his family. He goes on this self-indulgent bender that lasts as long as the cash flow does, totally out of control, alienated from the father who represents God. And anyone like that, the audience would assume, would be cut off from God. All the listeners would have agreed. But at the end of the parable, our focus is turned in on this older brother. He's meticulous. He, he is obedient to the father. And by analogy, he is meticulously obedient to the commands of God. He is completely under control and self-disciplined. And so we're presented with these two sons, one who is bad by conventional standards and one who is good by conventional standards. And yet both were shown are alienated from the father. So how do we know that they're both alienated? Because the father has to go out to each of them and invite them into this feast of his joy and his love. So there's not just one lost son in this parable. There's actually two lost sons. And the parable ends with this almost unthinkable conclusion. Jesus, the storyteller, deliberately leaves the elder brother alienated from the party. The bad son, the bad sinner, enters the father's feast, but the good son will not. The lover of the prostitutes is saved, but the good religious man is still lost. We can almost hear the Pharisees gasp at the end of the story. It's a complete reversal of everything that they've been taught. But Jesus doesn't leave it at that. It gets more shocking. Because why doesn't the older brother go in? Did you see this? Look at verse 29. He himself gives a reason. He, go, he doesn't go to the party because I have never disobeyed you. The older brother is not losing the father's love in spite of his goodness. He's losing his father's love because of his goodness. It's not his sin that creates a barrier between him and his father. It's his pride and his moral record that creates this barrier. It's not his badness, but his goodness that keeps him from sharing in his father's feast. So how is this possible? Well, the answer is in the brothers' hearts and the two ways of life that they represent. And they're much more alike than they first appear. So what did the younger son want most in life? Or to ask this another way, where did the younger brother think that happiness was found? Where did he think he'd get the contentment he longed for? Well, he didn't want anything to do with his family or his father's rules. He just wanted money and the freedom to live how he wanted. He wanted to make his own decisions and to live un with unfettered control of his portion of the wealth. Well, what did the older brother want in life? Where did he think that happiness would be found? Where did he think he'd get the contentment he longed for? Well, reading the story, it looks like he wanted the same thing as his younger brother. He wanted money, freedom to live how he wanted, to make his own decisions with unfettered control on his portion of the wealth. He was just as resentful of the father as the younger son was. And looking at his interaction with his dad at the end, it's so clear that he wants his dad's stuff, not his dad. And the difference between them is that while the younger brother went far away, 
The younger brother stayed at, at home and never disobeyed. That was his way to get control. He said, I never disobeyed you. Now you have to do things in my life because I want them to be done. And while their paths are different, their hearts were the same. Both of them resented their father's authority. Both of them had strategies to get out from underneath their father's authority. They each wanted to be in a position where they could tell their father what to do. And they thought that is where true happiness is found. And Jesus calls both of them lost. Both of them are lost. Each one rebelled, but one did so by being very bad, and the other did so by being very good. Both were alienated from the Father. Both were lost sons. So do you see what Jesus is teaching here? Neither of the sons loved the Father for himself, but they used the Father to pursue happiness through their own self-centered means rather than loving and enjoying and serving the Father for his own sake. So what does this mean for you? This means that you can rebel against God and be alienated from him, either by breaking his rules or by keeping all of them diligently. And so what we see here is that Jesus is giving us a much deeper concept of sin than we could get on our own. Most of us think of sin as falling short of God's rules, and Jesus raises the bar. What Jesus is showing us is that sin is when God calls us to say to him, thy will be done. We respond by saying, my will be done. We are saying, I will have happiness on my terms. God, you exist to serve me and my definition of happiness. When we do that, it's sin and it will never satisfy you. It will leave you either hungry and longing in a pigsty of your own self-discovered identity or angry and entitled in the fields of your own self-righteous religious moralism. And what you need, Jesus is saying in the story, is to be found.